when we did it our way. You've seen what we made of our finances. You've seen what we made of our life when we did it our way. Now we say today, have your way. Are there any true worshipers here today who will say, have your way now? Come on, that's how you cross from death to life is crossing from your ways to God's ways. That's how you make that journey. It's just one choice to surrender. Can we just pray? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Father, that you are going to do what only you could do during this message. And as we kick off this series, Surprise Me, the very root of rejection and people-pleasing is coming out of people today. Because we were not designed to live in the fear of making someone else happy. We were designed to worship you. And we will do what you've called us to do today. And this is a house of freedom. This is a house of sons and daughters, not slaves and orphans. We know who our dad is. And we're confident in him. Father, we thank you. And all of V1 Church triumphantly said, Amen. Come on, let's give it up one more time. You guys, on your way down to your seat, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Surprise me. <laughs> give somebody a high five. Tell them, you made the right decision coming today. And you guys can find your seats. Thank you. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but we've got a problem here at this church. It's a real bad problem. And some of you probably picked up on it from the first time you ever walked through the doors and realized that you weren't truly in a movie theater. But the problem that we have is that people actually love each other here. And that's a problem. Because when people love you, they try to touch you and hug you. And they, they look at you in your eyes. This is a weird thing because we got phones and all this digital technology. But when people actually care about you, they do this really freaky thing where they look you in the eyes and they talk to you, and you can smell their breath, and it smells like Starbucks coffee. But V1 Church is a church where people actually love each other, and every single week I have people say, like, could this really be real? Like, I just feel like it's, uh, it's crazy to think about church existing in this way because I've never seen or experienced anything like this before, but I just want to tell you before I start preaching and foaming at the mouth and spitting and climbing through all these aisles right here that somebody's with me somebody say yeah, yeah. <laughs> that church was not ever a man's idea man did not humanity did not invent church this was God's idea 
And so you come in here today. Now, religion is man's idea, but church is God's idea. And somebody today, for the very first time in your life, you came to church. Look at somebody next to you and say, we is in church right now. We is in church right now. You are not in a religion or a tradition of man, but you are in church. And this is God's idea and God's design. And that's why you feel what you feel. That's why God moves and does things in this room that could not have happened in any other room that you have currently ever been in. And you can't quite figure it out. Well, let me just tell you, this was his idea. And God destined before the foundations of the world that 2,000 years after his son's death that we'd be kicking it on Long Island, just worshiping like crazy people and singing out praises to him. And doesn't it feel so good? I said, doesn't it feel so good? Doesn't it feel so good? You can't let the club feel better than this. The bottle of bub feel better than this. I was walking down the street the other day in my neighborhood. I live in Ridgewood, Queens. We got any Queens people in the house? All right, represent, represent. Everyone who's like sharpening their knives and stuff in the aisle, like whoop, whoop. Um, So I live in Queens and I was walking down the street the other day just prophesying over my neighborhood and just speaking out the word of God. And then as soon as um, I was doing that and kind of got into my spiritual mode, this car pulled up and it was just like, had this, you know, bottle above mama, you know, you remember that song? And I just started vibing with it for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, wait, I was praying. I was praying. (laughs) That really happened. That's your pastor. Um, But we're kicking off this new series, Surprise Me, and we are so excited for it. So if you have your Bible, you just take it out and get ready. We're going to go through the book of Matthew. We are going to take a journey through the life of this guy named Pete. And we're going to look at him today and and, and just, just preach you silly. And let God do all of what he wants to do. So you can just flip to the book of Matthew. If you don't have one of these old school Bibles, maybe your Bible glows. You can download the V1 Church app and follow along with us as well. And, and we're just going to go on a journey today. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture, but um, we're going to start it off in chapter 4. Now, before we do that, my wife got into something. And it scared me when I discovered this. I'll be honest, it was like one of those moments as a husband you never want to happen in your marriage. My wife started to run and get into running. And that is, (laughs) listen, listen, that is a bad thing in a marriage because there's like, there's two types of people's runners and non-runners. If you know, you know. I'm a non-runner. And so right now we are a house divided, but my wife runs and one of these days, one of these days I'll pretend to run with her, but she was on this trail and she was with a friend and she's running. And as she was running, all of a sudden she felt something like kind of hit her hair a little bit and she like kind of brushed it off and then kept running a little bit more. And she kind of felt something again by her head and she like hit her hair again. And finally she turns to her friend and she's like, what, what is like, do you feel that? Are we walking through spider webs or something like that? And her friend's like, obviously realizing at this moment that Julie has no idea what's going on. They are being swarmed by bats. And Julie kind of runs like this face down. So Julie's just like going like this, but there's just hordes of bats like circling them. And her friend's just like, okay, uh, Julie, (laughs) there's hordes of bats (laughs) that are chasing us. (laughs) That's why I've been running so fast. (laughs) 
And it was like instantly in Julie's mind, she goes into freak out mode. She starts cursing like crazy. <laughs> I got the confirmation from the side panel. That is true. In fact, as a pastor, she began to cuss. And bats and curse words are just flooding the atmosphere on this bike trail. And Julie is now suddenly realizing that she may be, in fact, completely eaten and consumed by a horde of bats. And it's going to be on the front page news, women runner eaten alive by bats. Has that happened? I should have researched this before I preach it because we're in this message series called Surprise Me. And it's all about changing your expectation. So when you can't see it, sometimes you're brushing it away and in your mind it's a spider's web. But then when you find out it's a bat and you realize I never wanted to be a candidate to be Batwoman or Batman and I don't want to take the risk of this blood sucking bat like just devouring me right now. You start running for your life. And, and the truth is to people who love bats and there are really weird fringe psycho people who love bats. If you're one of those people, I'm sorry for offending you, but a horde of bats to them would be something to celebrate like a treasure trove that they accidentally discovered, right? So it's all about perspective because to people who've devoted their life to studying bats, this is the greatest experience ever. It's a horde of bats who want to be with you. But to the rest of us who aren't freaks, this is scary. But then there's also this other end of the spectrum that interprets that as I'm going to probably die. And they run as if that's going to happen. And so throughout this entire month, as we're dealing with surprise me, we're going to be talking about the fears and the different expectations that you have. And, and the reality is, uh, I just am probably going to be the first person to tell some of you guys over the course of this next month that some of the things that you are afraid of, you shouldn't be afraid of. And some of the things that have absolutely wrecked your life, we're about to root them out. And we're starting this Sunday with the root of rejection. Come on, the root of rejection. And so the title of this message today, if you're following along and taking notes, is the fear of rejection. And today is your day to get free. So as we go through Surprise Me, I want to make it okay for you to shout me down and holler at me and pull the greatness out of me because I've got to preach this thing. I cannot teach this thing. I've got to preach this thing because in order for somebody to break through today, I said, I've got to preach this thing. Is there anyone here who will help me preach today? I said, is there anyone over here who will help me preach? Is there anyone over here who will help me preach? What about the middle? Will you help me preach? Okay, the middle sounded manlier for some reason. It was like the orcs, like hordes. I'm just going to do, I won some cool points last week with the Lord of the Rings analogy, and I'm just going to do it every week until our church hits a thousand. Because that's clearly the value system of New Yorkers. It's like Lord of the Rings imagery. But if you're with me right now in Matthew chapter four, I want to read to you this picture. You could follow along as well on the screen. It says this, walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, little side note, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Say regular. All right, pay attention, pay attention. You're in school now. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask any questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. 
Now, this is the very first time that we meet this character named Peter. Peter is one of my all-time favorite characters in the Bible because I identify so much with his high level of stupidity. And Peter's basically the guy who just messes up and then does something right and does something wrong and does something right and does something wrong. But what I love about Peter, and I want this to be the hallmark of every single person who goes to V1 Church, is Peter is somebody who never stops saying yes to Jesus. You know, before I go any further, I'm going to say I had a really crazy conversation the other day. So when I was ordained into ministry, I was 22 years old. I was newly married to my beautiful bride, Julie Signorelli, and we were just kicking off our ministry. And I was a part of a local church and it was a couple hundred people. And we saw some miraculous things happen. Well, over the course of time, 10 years plus later, um, literally none of the men who ordained me are still in ministry. And most of them are, I guess, just struggling with whether or not they're even believers. And that's dark, you know, just to bring it down for a second. But one of those guys called me a couple days ago and didn't know that I was working on this message, didn't know I was getting ready to deliver this. And he said, Pastor Mike, it's been years since I talked to you and I've been listening to your podcast every single week and I just wanna tell you that I'm sorry for that era of your life when you needed men the most, when you needed us to jump in, we weren't there for you, our lives fell apart and I'm on the backside and God's starting to restore it and he began to just tell that story. And Do you know that oftentimes the validation that you're seeking most is not gonna come when you need it most? And some of you need to understand that because we're talking about Peter right now and the validation that you need most is often gonna come after you don't need it anymore. After you get through it, see, in that time in my life, I was like, we're all these men. We're all the mentors. We're the guys who are supposed to show me what it means to be a pastor and a true lead pastor and a man of God. And, and they're not here for me anymore. And, and I needed it so bad. And I could have used it as an excuse for my failure. But I kept saying yes to Jesus. I kept saying yes to his call in my life. And ironically, on the other side of it, as a lead pastor myself, with no need for their validation, I got that phone call. Some of you need to know that the very validation and the things that you need most in your life right now, God's withholding it because you're going on a journey with him. Uh, let me just say that again. Somebody got it. Okay. Somebody got it, but somebody missed it. Some of the validation that you think you need most in your life, God is actually going to withhold it so that you can understand it's mano y mano, it's you and him. And then on the other side of that, once he's completed the process that he started inside of you, he's gonna actually give you the very thing you thought you needed back then just to prove that you are on his plan and not your own. Is somebody getting saved and free today? And so you know what that pastor told me? He was just this former pastor was like, I'm so sorry. And he's apologizing. And then I flipped it on him. I said, you know what go V1 means, baby? It means that when that plane's coming up off the, the runway and it hits that last velocity speed, that they have to make a decision V1. And when they make that decision, there's no turning back. And guess what? And I told him, I said, you're getting ready to go V1 in your life because if you're not dead, you're not done. Come on. And I began to flip it on him and just minister to him and, and talk to him about what I felt like God had. And he didn't know that I was getting ready to talk about Peter, but maybe we've got some Peters in the audience today. Maybe we've got some men and some women who need to hear that if you're not dead, you're not done, that the process isn't finished, that the best is yet to come because God says it. And because guess what? This month you're about to get surprised. God is going to surprise you and hijack your expectations. This guy was hanging out fishing, doing his regular work. And in the midst of his regular work, something 
very unusual took place. Jesus showed up and offered an opportunity. Let's turn now. Let's just track this journey because it's so funny to me. Let's go to now to chapter, um, let's look at this, chapter 14. And you guys know this story. We're going to look at verse 28. Peter, suddenly bold, looks out of the boat, sees Jesus walking on the water and says, Master, if that's really you, come to me or call me to come to you on the water. And he said, come on ahead. And then Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You know, that's a supernatural event. That's something that cannot be replicated today unless it's just God doing it. And so you now have Peter doing this. Now let's skip down. Now this is like, if you don't stop. See, a lot of preachers would stop reading the Bible to you right there. And they would preach you a different sermon. But I've got a different thing I'm getting to today. Can I just go a few scriptures down? Look at chapter 15. If you're looking at the Message Bible, it might be on the same page. And just go down a little bit. And this is chapter 15, verse 16. It says, Peter said, I don't get it. Now, they're, they're having this discussion about the nature of who Jesus really is. And, and the Pharisees and these religious figures who couldn't quite figure out what the plan of God. And then Peter speaks up saying, I, I don't get it. Put it in plain language. And Jesus replies, you too? Are you? being willfully stupid that's in the bible are you being willfully stupid don't you know that anything and they begin to have that discussion now let me let me say this it's a little discouraging to walk on water with jesus one moment and the next moment he calls you stupid no you know what actually jesus would probably qual qualify and say i didn't call him stupid i said are you being willfully stupid it's different right you if you're a parent you know the difference right I'm not, I'm not trying to wound you eternally. You're not stupid, but you're being stupid. And so you have this Peter who can go from being so incredibly engrafted into the plan of God and just riding this high of doing what God called him to do, walking on water, you know, and then the next moment Jesus is saying, are you willfully being stupid? Is there anyone here who can identify with Peter? I mean, is there anyone here who just seems like you get it right for God back to back with screwing it up and you're stuck in that cycle and we're like, why haven't we seen so-and-so at church for the last couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know, but secretly they're dealing with this fact that like, how could I have just had such a powerful moment that Sunday and then Monday I was just rolling, you know, into the club with a bottle of bub, mama. <laughs> how does that happen? And if you're anything like Peter, you're literally oscillating between being this incredible, powerful person for God and then going back to the sin and the stupidity and the things that you just can't seem to get free from. You want me to tell you how it happens? <laughs> Here's how it happens. And this is, this is where freedom's coming. And I never saw this before. This is one of the biggest revelations that I ever got reading the Bible within the last week. Every single thing that you see Peter do while he was with Jesus was done in response to a root of rejection. None of it was true ministry in the first place. He was doing it in response to his desire to search for significance. It was never really ministry. It was never really serving. It was never really Jesus. It was never really about Jesus. It was about a search for significance and he used Jesus' plan to make him feel more significant. Now, oh, come on, D that'll preach, okay? Because I've met a lot of pastors who have pastored entire churches out of a need for the search 
for significance. I've met a lot of people who serve on Sunday morning and I love our dream team and I love what's happening in this house. But some of them haven't graduated from the orphan spirit and they're still searching for significance. And see, Peter was this guy who just, you, why, why do you think Peter signed up to follow a guy claiming to be the Messiah and said he asked no questions? There's only two reasons why you ask no questions. One, because you have them all answered. Or two, because you don't even care about the answer. And he was on such a deep search for significance, he didn't even care to ask the questions. He said, I'll sign up for anything other than fishing because I feel like a loser. And some of you guys in this place, some of you listening to the podcast right now, the reason why you even got with the crew you got with and rolled and have the whole story of destruction that you have in your life is because you just signed up for the first person to show up and say, come follow me. You didn't ask any questions and you didn't luck out and have the Messiah show up. Somebody else showed up. Somebody else showed up. Man, I like this choir over here. I hope the crowd mic <laughs> hits that. And, but here's the thing about it. The search, oh man, somebody, tell the person next to you, the search for significance is over today. See, when you're searching for significance, you will find it often in all the wrong places. And you know, Peter, even though he was doing ministry, still found it in the wrong place because he wasn't doing ministry at all. Can I keep going? Can we keep reading the Bible? All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going through the book of Matthew today. You can just tell your friends, we read the whole book of Matthew today in church. And they'll be like, I'm never coming. That sounds weird. All right, Matthew chapter 16. And now we're looking and they're answering this question about who Jesus says he is. And this is verse 15. And if, you, if I'm moving too fast through scriptures, write them down, listen to the podcast, look at the front because we're going somewhere. I'm just trying to show you the snapshot of this guy's journey that he went through. So Peter now is progressing and it says he pressed them. And, and how about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You get a treat. You get the A+. Plus. You're the good student today. And he said, you know who taught you that? The Holy Spirit. God revealed it directly to you. And all of a sudden, he starts to get it a little bit. Peter starts to get it a little bit. You're a Peter, a rock. This is the Peter on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. A rock of a cornerstone that 2,000 years ago in the United Artists Theater in New York, they're still gonna be shouting the name of Jesus. And on the foundation of a flaky guy with the root and the wound of rejection, who's doing everything in response to people's opinion, I am gonna build my church. So guess what? If you're struggling here with the opinions of people, I got news for you that God could do something so great that it could immortalize you in scripture forever. Why Peter? Because Peter was the kind of person who just was always trying to please somebody else. He was afraid of their opinion. He was afraid of, of what they would say. And, and, and it's funny because I, 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 wanna, I want you to ask yourself, is the success that you've had in life the result of this journey for success and, 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 and your identity? Or was, is it in response to what the Heavenly Father told you? Because if you're anything like Peter, it started off just 100% 
the road for significance, the search for significance. And then little by little, he started learning to respond to Jesus. Little by little, he started to get it. And it kind of incrementally changes. If you're anything like Peter, you just, you got That's why you got to keep showing up. That's why you got to keep saying yes. When I was 22 year old, years old ordained, I had no idea how to be a pastor. What that meant to be a pastor was a long, hard road of learning a lot, a lot of long, hard lessons. But when I was on the phone with that guy, I said, the only explanation why I have that for V1 and what's happening in New York and the fact that I'm still pastoring, even though the entire staff that I pastored with is out of the game, is because when everyone else said no, I just kept saying yes. And the one thing I love about Peter is Peter just kept showing up. Sometimes in life, you just got to keep showing up. You know, okay, I'm jacked up, I'm messed up, but I'm showing up. Okay, I'm still wounded, I'm still hurt, I'm still rejected and abandoned, but I'm here. That, that's like 50% of everything that makes people great is just guts. It's just guts. And I think I had the guts to say, am I fatherless? Yes. Wounded? Yes. But I'm here. Did I say something wrong last week? Yes. But I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm anti up again. What would it look like today if you made a decision to go back into God and to go back into what he has for you? Now you got Peter just got this powerful word. Now you know after Jesus spoke to him and said, upon this rock, Peter, you're the rock. I'm going to build this church. You know, Peter was like, yeah, you all heard that, right? He didn't even mention you, disciple. Nobody knows their name. You won't even be, hey, your name won't even be on the test at the parochial school. I'm Peter. Now let's flip down. I love this. <laughs> now, now he's getting cocky. And all of a sudden, as he's getting cocky and puffed up in and of itself, this powerful moment happens. All of a sudden, Jesus is like, guys, I'm going to tell you the plan. To truly live, you've got to die first. And I'm going to die first. To truly live, you have to die first. And I'm going to die first. And, and, and then Peter, who's feeling cocky, he's like, huh, I know this is probably another test. And he probably raises his hand. Uh -huh, uh -huh, Jesus, uh-uh. I know this is a, a theological test again. There's no way you're dying. That's not in the plan. And then now look at Jesus's response. I love it so much. Jesus didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. For those of you who know the King James Version, it's get thee behind me, devil. Amen. <laughs> Everyone's like, I knew this church was home when he broke out that King James get thee behind me, Satan. And he says this in the message, you have no idea how God works. How is it possible that I could be the cornerstone? Now, you know, that's frustrating when your boss starts telling you have no idea how to do your job and you're realizing that you're, from your perspective, the whole company runs because of you. That's pretty much what this moment felt like. Peter's like, I'm doing everything you tell me to do. We're feeding people like in the multitudes and I'm trying to get this all right. You just told me I'm the cornerstone and I'm going to get this promotion. And now you're telling me I'm Satan. That's bad. That's bad. And you know, some of you in your life know what it's like to oscillate between Peter and Simon, Simon and Peter. I'm going to be all that God called me to be, and I'm just going to go search for some pleasure. I want to do what God called me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. 
and you're on that journey right now, but guess what? Somebody here in this place is clicking over, no turning back. Somebody here today, this is why you're here. That This is destiny. This is not accident. You, you didn't even really have as much of a choice in the matter as you think you did. And for those of you who don't want to live on Long Island, you say amen. <laughs> you better stop that. Now that the church is here, I'm like, none of you guys are moving. <laughs> I want to look now at chapter 26. And this is the last thing that we're looking at. All this time, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. And now look, look, it's going down. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. It's happening. It's dark. Jesus is now considered a criminal, which means that everyone by association with him is now a criminal. And, and now every single thing that you've seen Peter do up to this point, you've seen him do it in response to the opinion of people and a search for significance. And if you're in this place and you're just on that search for significance, you will miss your destiny. You will miss all that God's got for you. And this is what it looks like. And it's such an incredible picture. All this time, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. One servant girl, she was a little girl, came up to him and said, you were with Jesus, the Galilean. In front of everybody there, he denied it. And then you skip down, he denied it again, and he denied it again. And why is it significant that it was a servant girl? This wasn't a centurion soldier. This wasn't somebody that he should have been afraid of. It was just a bat circling his head. But you know what? To him, because of that deep root of rejection, not even a little servant girl, a person without position, a person without title, a person without stature, a person without influence, a person without authority, even that person, you will try to please that person at the detriment of your destiny. And he was so stuck in that root of rejection and trying to make everyone else happy except for God that he did the very thing Jesus told him that he was going to do, which is deny Jesus three times. And this is the most important part. It says this. Then the rooster crowed. Peter remembered what Jesus had said before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried and cried. And the King James says, and he wept bitterly. You know why he cried? Let me give you the reason why he cried so bitterly. It was the first time he ever met himself. It was the first time that Peter ever met himself. See, up to this point, he was on the search for significance and he had faked everyone out into thinking he was bold, but it was false boldness. It was boldness based in their opinions, not based in the voice of God and the direction of God. He faked everyone out into thinking that he was wise because he answered a couple questions, right? But you know what? When you look at his story through the book of Matthew, he only ever answered a couple of them, right? He could have just been wrong. It could have been an accidental thing. And it's like, he probably told it up the sum of all of his success and said, is this any success at all? I got a couple questions right. I had a couple miracles and got rebuked right after it. And then now I did the very thing that Jesus said I was gonna do the whole time and I denied him. And he begins to meet himself. My prayer today is that some of you in this place would meet yourself for the first time today. 
not the person you try to convince everyone you are, not the person that you try to puff up in the persona and this response to their voice and the people pleasing, but you actually have the strength and the courage to cry and cry and cry until every mask comes off and the fear of rejection comes out of you. Because I just want to tell you that this wasn't the end. See, the crying wasn't the end of Peter's story. See, the crying was just a, it was a milestone. The crying was just something that had to happen along the way. It was, it wasn't the end of the story. And some of you are meeting yourself for the first time. And you know, I met myself for the first time when my, I came home to an empty home and my wife left me. And I met myself for the very first time when I sat in a counselor's office and they told me that you're ranking an 11 on a 12 point scale of alcoholism. I met myself. But it didn't stop with the crying. And I'm here to tell somebody here in this room, it ain't going to stop with your tears. Because every word that Jesus said came true, not just in the denial and the rooster crowing, but it came true when he said, you will be the rock upon which I build this thing. And so when God gives you a hard word, it doesn't stop at the hard word because he's given you a destiny to go with it. And the Bible says he corrects those who he loves. Now, now let me just show you the, the next part of this story. He cries and cries and cries. Now, Acts chapter 2. Some of you know the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Jesus has peaced out now, and he's in heaven. And the last thing he said is, my Holy Spirit's coming. It's going to be Jesus unlimited on the earth. For some of you are like, well, if I could see God, I would believe him. Well, guess what? We got something better. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus unlimited. You're looking at Jesus every time you look at a believer who's full of his spirit. You see him everywhere when you open your eyes. Come on. Acts chapter 2. All of a sudden, they're in the upper room praying. And they're getting united. And that spirit of unity provokes the nature of God to just plummet into this planet and saturate the entire earth with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And guess who gets up to preach the very first sermon under the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't the other disciples who were maybe the good boys who maybe got it right most of the time. It wasn't the, the ones who understood the things of God more. It was the loser. It was the one who could never quite figure it out. He's the one who stepped up and said, now the Holy Spirit's getting ready to do what only he can do. Because I'm not living in response to this fear of rejection. I'm living in response to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as he began to preach that message, thousands came into the kingdom. And if it wasn't for that sermon, you wouldn't be here right now. You're all sitting in this seat because a guy named Peter fulfilled his destiny. So who's on the other side of you getting this root of rejection out of your life? What destinies are connected to you? What destinies are connected to you rooting this rejection out of your life? I want to say this. See, because sometimes this root of rejection goes so deep. And, and, and I want you to stand on your feet. We're going to shut this thing down. Sometimes this root of rejection goes so deep, it's multi-generational. Some of you were raised by people with the root of rejection. And they were raised by people with the root of rejection. So when I'm speaking this sermon, I did warfare over this, baby. We did some prayer for today. Because it's a multi-generational message. Because you were raised by people who were raised by people who were raised by people who lived their entire life in response to the fear of what somebody else would say. And it's, it's, it's immobilized you 
but today the chains are being broken and you're walking out here free and it's going to ripple through your genetics. It's going to ripple through your identity. It's going to ripple through the past and they're going to be feeling it in their grave that somebody finally got free. They're going to be feeling it in their grave. Somebody finally got free. Somebody is doing what God called them to do. You know, when you look at these napkins nowadays, sometimes they're stamped with this thing that says made from recycled material. You know, when I go back to the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes with the loaves of bread and fish, some point that a lot of preachers miss is that at the end of that episode, he told the disciples, go back and pick up all the scraps. And that's a lot of food. It's a lot of scraps. What it reveals to Jesus isn't that he's a clean freak, but what it reveals is that he wastes nothing. And then in our personal lives, we've got all these broken, scattered pieces, the failures of the past, where we did things in response to what we thought other people were gonna say and do, and it was their peer pressure that broke us down. And I'm here to tell you the same command that he gave Peter, Peter would have heard that. Go and pick up all those scraps. He's, he's commanded again, no broken pieces. And it's so ironic that when you look at a napkin and you wipe the mess and the filth off of you like this, and you wipe your mouth and all the filth onto something clean, and then you look down and it says, made from recycled materials. And it was actually something discarded, something on the top of the garbage heap that was taken and it was restored and reconfigured and renewed. And now you can get clean from something that used to be dirty. Now you can get clean off of something that was discarded. Now you can actually get clean. So now this thing can clean others when it could not even clean itself. And if our church is a whole bunch of recycled napkins, I'm okay with that. Because broken crayons can still color. Can I get an amen? And recycled napkins can still make something clean. And so if you're in this place and you're saying, I'm on the top of the garbage heap. I'm on the top of the pile right now, Pastor Mike. You have no idea what I've done in my life. You have no idea if my wife grabbed my phone and went through my entire phone, I would lose my marriage before I got out of this movie theater. I'm here to tell you, God wants to reach down and recycle all those pieces because what looks like garbage to us is treasure to him. And there's somebody in this place today that needs to know that today was your day. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Is there somebody ready today? That's all I am. When I talked to that pastor, I said, I have no, I have no other explanation. I just kept saying, yes, God, recycle the filth, recycle it, use every piece. Because I know if I just keep saying yes, I can maybe be Peter. And some of you in this place, maybe you can't be Jesus, but you can be Peter following Jesus. And you're going to look at people that controlled you your entire life and say, I don't live in response to your opinion anymore. I live in response to my father. But in order for that to happen, there's an adoption that has to take place. You've got to give yourself completely to the one that you call father. And that's the decision that you're going to make. That's, that's who pulls the root of rejection out of you, is the only one who can truly accept you. Did you hear me? 
Because see, nobody in this room can truly accept you. See, we can accept you when you do right by us. We can accept you when you accept us and help us, but it's a limited love. The only one who can truly accept you is Jesus. And what Peter was rejecting the entire time, see, he accepted a mission. He accepted the accomplishment of this journey he was on to find some sort of fulfillment, but what he never accepted was Jesus himself. And in Acts chapter two, the thing that was on the outside suddenly came onto the inside. And that spirit that lived inside of Jesus after the cross, it was unleashed and now able to be deposited into man, even in our frailty and our fallen nature. And as he received the Holy Spirit for the first time, he then could do what he was called to do. Somebody in this place just has to say yes to Jesus. Would you just close your eyes right now? Somebody in this place, somebody listening to this podcast just has to say yes to Jesus. With every eye closed right now, I hear the Lord saying to you, surprise me. <laughs> surprise me. This is usually when you quit. When you hit this pain threshold, this is usually when you go back to your vices. Come on, this is the word of the Lord for somebody while your eyes are closed. Is it okay if I prophesy to you? There's somebody that needs to hear the voice of the Lord right now. I hear the Lord saying, this is usually when you quit, surprise me. This is usually when you turn back to your old ways, surprise me. This is usually when you go back to infidelity in your heart, in your marriage. When your marriage starts turning this way, this is when you usually go back to that sin. Surprise me. In your singleness, as God prepares the person that he has for you, you usually miss it because in your loneliness, you don't know how to go to him. Surprise me and come to him today. Come to him today. Surprise me surprise me he's given you permission now the lord would never tell you surprise me unless he was going to empower you to surprise him because he knows you can't do it on your own power oh i feel that come on come on surprise me surprise me okay here's what we're going to do right now romans chapter 10 verse 9 says if you declare with your mouth that means use your tongue to say it out loud. Jesus is Lord, is master. He's my father. He's everything. And believe it in your heart, your corazón. That God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. You will be saved and every day will be Easter in your house. The Easter bunny will move in to your house on Long Island because every day will be resurrection day for you if you declare it with your mouth and believe it. And so what I want to do is I want to, with every eye closed right now, if this is for you and you're saying, I need to accept Jesus for the very first time, I, I, I just, I need, I know that I know that I know I took that road, that journey for success, for fulfillment, and, and I was doing it in response to people's opinion, but I can't actually say that I ever did it in response to the voice of God. And today is that day I hear him speaking and I want Jesus with no one looking. Would you just raise your hand right now? Put your hands down. 
There's so many hands all over this place and I, I let you hang them up for a little longer so that you can feel like what it means to surprise God. Surprise me. Here's my hands, God. I never said I, I said I'd never do this. <laughs> I said I'd never be in a church, but here I am. <laughs> I said I'd never be one of those Jesus freaks, but I'm about to walk out of this place a Jesus freak today. Somebody's getting surprised. Would you all pray this prayer? Because we had over a dozen people raise their hand and say, I want to accept Christ for the first time. Would you all just pray it together and let them hear their new spiritual family, their brothers and sisters together? We just say it loud and proud. Okay, say, Heavenly Father. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. He is alive. He is well. And now he lives in me. I receive your forgiveness. Pull out the root of rejection in the name of Jesus. Today, I am free forever, 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 forever. Amen. Come on, let's give it up. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.